Welcome to session two of the prayer training course. This session is titled The Power of Words in Prayer. There is a certain power in prayer and this study seeks to identify how to structure effective prayers and how to pray in such a manner that God will indeed incline his ear to us and hear our cry. Psalm 61 verse 1 The primary purpose of prayer is to create a communication link with God so that we can actually hear or sense what he's saying to us and more importantly that we can act on what we hear. As we work through this study, we will see that the Bible gives guidance to the use and structure of our prayers. However, in James 5 verse 16, we read, as expressed in the Greek, the prayer of a righteous one has great strength, having been made effective. So we can infer that while there may be power in certain words and prayer structures, God values righteousness and will make the prayers of righteous ones effective. Surely then it's important to recognise the significance of the first part of verse 16, which talks about the confession of sin. It would therefore seem that a pure heart cleansed of sin is a prerequisite to God hearing and responding to our prayers. That is certainly something to ponder upon. Let us begin the study with a brief time of reflection. Firstly, we need to look at our motives in the prayers that we offer to or request of the Lord. Do I really want to hear God speak to me? Am I really willing to persevere until I hear God speak to me, more often, more clearly? Is there a desire in my heart to please God? Am I concerned enough to do something about my personal spiritual growth and development? Do I need to discipline my will and to make a new spiritual beginning now? Do I really expect a response from God? Am I willing to set aside time not just to read God's word, but to relax before God? We need to consider these matters and to decide just where we are individually in each of these areas of our spirituality. We need to be totally honest with ourselves first before we can approach God. Let's look now at the first example of prayer in the Bible. It is interesting to note that the first mention of prayer in the Bible is found in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 25 verse 21. And this is what it says. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren, and Rebekah conceived. Now this prayer was a critical issue for Rebekah and Isaac, because she was barren, so it was likely a prayer brought out of desperation. Note that God heard the prayer and granted the request. The second example is also found in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. This prayer by King Solomon reads, Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day, that your eyes may be open night and day towards this house, 
the place of which you have said, My name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers in this place, and listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place, and listen in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. This was a prayer of thanks by King Solomon, confirming the covenant that the Lord had made with King David concerning the temple and the lineage of the kings of the throne of Israel. The third example is worthy of deep consideration because it shows God's response to Solomon's prayer. God often uses an if-then-else structure when he responds to us. Look closely at the following verses from 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 3 to 9. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house, which you have built, and put my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness, according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and all my ordinances, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, There shall not fail you a man upon the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and the house which I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight, and Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples, and this house will become a heap of ruins. Everybody passing by it will be astonished and will hiss, and they will say, Why has the Lord done thus? to this land and to this house. Then they will say, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them, therefore the Lord has brought all this evil upon them. We need to understand that while God is able to grant anything by his sovereign grace, he often requires certain conditions to be met either before or after he responds to our prayers. Let us now look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 14 to 18 as a further example of if then else. Verse 14 in particular says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal their land. This verse in particular is a classic example of God's if-then-else structure, and it should give us a challenge, and give us valuable insights into the way God works through prayer. A repentant heart would seem to be the key. 
So, in summing this up, what is the thing that we can most learn from these prayers? You may note that they are of different types, and each one is for a different purpose. Can you identify what is different about each prayer type? And can you put a name to it? We will now look at the power in words. We often overlook or even fail to understand the power that is available to us through prayer. Yet the power package that is available to us is difficult for some to understand in this age when everything seems to need to be explained and accepted by scientific evidence. Throughout the Bible, we are encouraged to use and experience the power of the name of Jesus. Consider the following texts in the context of the power of Jesus' name. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Acts chapter 3 verse 16 And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith, which is through Jesus, has given the man his perfect health in the presence of you all. John chapter 14 verses 13 and 14 Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. It is not surprising then that we conclude most prayers by saying, In the name of Jesus, we ask this Lord. Prayer in focus. We need to take John chapter 14 verses 13 and 14 seriously. We need to ask God to give us greater understanding in just what Jesus is teaching here in these final hours before his sacrifice on the cross. There are four things that every Christian needs to hold constantly in focus. And these are 1. The spiritual life of any Christian will never rise above the level of their praying. What a person is before God in prayer is what they are. Surely this makes prayer the most important thing we do. 2. The ultimate effectiveness of any church will never rise above the combined prayer life of its members. Surely we need, therefore, to encourage our members to pray daily. 3. The corporate prayer of any church will never be greater than the personal prayer lives of its membership. Surely we therefore need to encourage our membership 
to pray together on a range of issues. 4. The Christian's personal prayer life will never rise above their own personal, regular time of worship with God. Surely we need to understand who God is and regularly worship Him in spirit and in truth. So what are the final thoughts on this session? You will find it useful to pray before and after you read the Bible. These outlines could be helpful. Think of sorry, thank you, please as a possible structure for prayer. A sorry prayer, confessing our sin to God. A thank you prayer, thanking God for his blessings and or answered prayer. A please prayer, asking God to meet some need in your or some other's life. A good framework for prayer is the word acts, A-C-T-S, which can be thus. Adoration, worship and praise of God for who and what he is. Confession, admitting failure and asking for forgiveness. Thanksgiving, thanking God for what he has done. Supplication, praying for other people or for yourself. As you use these outlines in your prayer life, you will begin to grow. Ultimately, the more time we spend in prayer, the richer our spirituality and our relationship with God will develop and grow. Finally, be encouraged by these words from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen and bless you all.